So we just started this series a couple weeks ago, sort of looking at this idea of the unfiltered version of Jesus. I think a lot of times we tend to Christianize and make common statements and sayings that we think are in the Bible but maybe aren't there, but things that Jesus actually said and did sort of around that uh, comfortable place, the, you know, the, the dinner table, right? These conversations that were real and, and, and piercing and, and how he transformed lives in just a conversation, just his words and what that meant. And so this is kind of where we're, we're going to be focusing on. Pastor Roy kicked this off a couple weeks ago. In the next couple weeks, we'll be hanging out here learning about what Jesus did and said, sort of the real, raw, life-changing moments with Jesus. And so today we're looking at someone who is uh, small in stature, and, uh, but yet incredible, massive life change happens only by one moment, one encounter, one afternoon with Jesus. Check this out. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, if you spent any time growing up in church as a kid, you know the song, right? The word, the minute you hear the word Zacchaeus, there's a song that goes with it. And if you, if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, what is about to happen in here? It's this song. It's Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yes. <laughs> we were, my wife and I, we went camping a couple weeks ago and uh, we have four kids and three of them were at fall camp with student ministry stuff. And our littlest one was with us and I was talking about, you know, this, this message that I was preparing for, and she was asking questions about Zacchaeus, and I started singing this song, and the, the look on my nine-year-old's face was like, what is happening in our trailer right now? This is getting weird, because I was singing about this wee little man. But it was funny, because I, I, right after that, I swear our, our phones are listening, because uh, I came across a post, this meme about Zacchaeus and the life change that happened with him and Jesus, and it made me laugh. Uh, imagine Jesus coming to your house, you have a great conversation, you give away half your money, you make amends, he blesses you, and then you're immortalized in one of the catchiest songs in human history as... Wee little man. That's the name you're dubbed with for the rest of your life and how you are known. But something significant does happen in this story. And maybe this is the first time you ever heard this. Maybe you've grown up and you've heard this story a million times. But it all points back to the heart of God and the purpose, the reason why he sent Jesus down here. And it's one of those stories that's easy to read and gloss over and keep going. But when you break it down and look at it, what God is doing in this moment is sort of the, the, the pinnacle, the crux, the icon of everything that God is and what he is for us. And so I want to spend a few minutes today looking at this passage because it is so, so important. 
because of what happens in Zacchaeus' life. So it's important to understand who he was. It says there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now, if you happen to be here a couple weeks ago, Pastor Roy was talking about uh, the tax collector because he, he was talking about Matthew, uh, this disciple who Jesus called, who was a tax collector. These were hated and despised people. The locals considered them to be like traitors because they were, they were Jews, local Israelites, who were working for the Roman, the enemy, the Roman government. See, the Roman government came in and they, they took over. They occupied Israel. And they would hire the local, the local Jewish folks to do things for them. And one of those roles was to be a tax collector. And so on behalf of Rome, guys like Zacchaeus would go around to his own people and tax them and give that money to the Romans. But then on top of that, the tax collectors were notorious for ripping off and stealing from their own people. They would charge them extra taxes on the most random things and keep that profit for themselves. It was highway robbery at its best. And they were hated and despised. Tax collectors were often grouped with people that were considered, you know, low, the scum. Often they're grouped with like prostitutes. You, you hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors, these sinful, sinful people. In the eyes of the local Jewish community, this religious community, they lost all right and title to be, to be Jewish, to be an Israelite, to be a descendant of Abraham, where they all came from and started from. This promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years ago. And yet, Something about Jesus sparked this guy's curiosity. He wanted to see him. Why? He had heard about him. He didn't know him. He didn't have a relationship with him. But Jesus' fame had been spreading now through, through the region. And this, this tax collector, this chief tax collector, in fact, the chief tax collectors had other tax collectors working for him. He had power and he had wealth and he was hated in his own community. But yet something about Jesus sparked his curiosity and he wanted to see him. And as he was seeking to see who Jesus was, and that's important because we need to know that there was no pre-existing relationship with, with Jesus and Zacchaeus. He had heard of him, but that's about it. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. There's a couple of really important things here. First off, Jesus calls him by his name. A man he hasn't met. Zacchaeus had never met Jesus. And you can imagine, knowing the people around him, how hated he was, and, and, and yet here, here is this, this celebrity person walking through and he calls him by his first name. And I wonder how many today, how many is, is Jesus calling you by your name? And are you listening for it? Waiting, longing, 
to hang out with you, to spend some time with you? Are you listening for it, though? Are you listening for the call of Jesus? And it's interesting that he says, for I must stay at your house. He doesn't say, I'd like to, or I think it would be fun if we hung out today. No, no, he says, I must stay at your house today. And, and religious scholars say this is, could be deemed as divine necessity. Like this was something that was part of Jesus' plan because he wanted to make a point both for the people there in this moment in the community and, and for us thousands of years later reading about this story. I must. This is part of my will and my plan is to hang out with you, this sinful traitor of a person. It was divine necessity and, and while, whether Zacchaeus knew it or not, Jesus intended on meeting with him to put on display the heart of God. He has these very strategic moments in these sort of unfiltered settings where he says, this is it. This is, this is everything right here. Are you watching? Are you listening? Are you, are you seeing what's happening? Here's the whole purpose of why I'm here. And we can learn a few things about this encounter that Jesus has with, with Zacchaeus. And the first one is this. Just in the way that Jesus greets him, this sinful traitor, is that Jesus is happy, he's excited, he's eager to meet with sinners. Just pause for a second and, and process this. You have this God, this holy, perfect God, who, who spoke everything into existence. He spoke galaxies and stars and suns and this earth and water and trees and animals. He spoke it all into existence, this massive, mighty, perfect, and holy God who is eager and excited to hang out with you. Let that resonate for a second. Have you, ever, have you ever even had that thought that God is excited to see you? God is excited to have a relationship with you? He's eager to hang out with you? And there may be some that say, yeah, but I, 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 I you, you don't know, you don't know what I've done. I, 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 I can't. I think that's the most exciting part for him to hang out with you because he makes a statement that we're going to look at here in a little bit about why he came. And the way he said it, just it, it, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Come on, man. I want to hang out with you. Let's go. He sees you the same way. He's eager and excited. He wants to spend time with you. And it's interesting, here in this moment, right, we have this, this, this moment where God's heart is on display because here God is, is, is calling, right? Jesus, God in the flesh, is, is calling this man, this sinful traitor of a man, to hang out with him on display. And the crowd goes, oh, isn't that amazing? No. They were upset. 
When they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. What's he doing hanging out with that person? I wonder what side of that conversation we'd be on if that were taking place today. Would you be grumbling? I'll be honest, I'd probably be on the side that was grumbling. Like, what? That's not fair. I'm a good person. I, I have a relationship with God. Why, why, why is he going to come over to my house and hang out? One of the passages, one of the things that Jesus said that, that Pastor Roy talked on a couple weeks ago from Luke chapter 5. The Pharisees and their scribes, they grumbled at, the, at his disciples saying, why, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See how tax collectors are just lumped in there with the worst of the worst? You drink and eat and hang out with them. Why, why do you do this? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So you want, to, you want to see the heart of God on display? It's this right here. He has, come, he has come to bring those who are lost to a place of safety, to a place of salvation, to bring them back into the fold. That's the heart of God. He's here for the broken. He's here for the weak and the lost, the people who are lost and they don't even know it. And most of us would probably grumble about that fact because that's what the people did. Rather than celebrating and clapping and cheering, saying, amazing, God's, God's going to go after another one and another one and another one. So right between this moment and the next verse, something happens. And this message of, of this series is kind of ironic because it's this idea of, you know, these unfiltered conversations with Jesus. But yet in this particular situation, we really don't know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. All we know is they went and hung out together. And I have to wonder, what did he say? What, what did he say to, to, to spark on full-blown life transformation because here's the next, very next verse in this story. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. It's interesting. Not only is he willing to give away half of his belongings, his money, his wealth, his stuff, but he's willing to pay back anyone that he's wronged four times over. Now, in Jewish law, to, if you've wronged somebody, you had to pay them back. But fourfold, paying them back four times was the, the highest penalty in, according to Jewish law. So, so not only is he willing to give away half of his stuff after one meeting, one encounter, one moment with Jesus, he's also willing to take on the highest form of a penalty and pay back anyone he's hurt and harmed. I want you to, for a moment, I want you to think about your stuff. Think about your home. Think about your bank account. Think about the toys and the things and the gadgets and the stuff, right? Let me ask you this question. 
what would convince you? What would it take for you to give away half of your money and belongings to the poor today? That's a big ask. But that's what, that's what Zacchaeus was willing to do. He's like, one moment, one encounter with Jesus, and, and something happened. I would love to have been a fly on the wall to hear and see what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, what he spoke, what, what truth did he speak into his life to make him just willingly say, no, nope, I'm going to give it all away. What would have to be said to you to convince you of some type of massive life change like that? And most of you are probably sitting here going, well, it'd have to be, probably be at gunpoint. <laughs> I'm just being real. Amazing life change after one encounter with Jesus. So, so this encounter with Jesus tells that he's happy, he's eager and excited to, to meet with sinners, but it also tells that he is capable of joyful life change, not begrudging. It wasn't like, oh, fine, Jesus, I'll give it away. No, he's like, he stood up. He's like, all right, today I'm giving it away. I'm going to do this for you, God, because you've changed my life. What was the last time you ever have given anything away joyfully by being shamed into it. See, what, what happened was this, the acceptance that Jesus offered him, right? It, it made the money, it made the stuff insignificant. It didn't matter anymore. The only thing that mattered was Jesus. And this moment that he had with them transformed something. And then Jesus makes a declaration over the life of Zacchaeus. He says, today salvation has come to this house. And, and make no mistake, it's not because he's given money away. It's because there's been a heart change. He's, 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 he's changed the direction of his life. That's what the word repentance means. It means to change directions. He says, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. Now that statement right there would have been like a warm blanket that probably just crippled Zacchaeus. Because to be a tax collector meant to be a sinner, meant to be an outcast of the Jewish community. And here God is saying, not only because we now have a relationship, am I offering salvation to you and your household, but now I'm going to bring you back into the fold of your community. You belong. He's happy, he's eager. He's excited to meet with sinners. He's capable of joyful life change because he came to seek and save the lost. His purpose is to offer salvation and restoration. He wants to make you whole, complete. 
and your money, your stuff, becomes so insignificant when you're able to process the magnitude of what Jesus wants to do in your life. We're talking about eternity. And are you more focused and consumed with what you're doing and the money you're making here in this little blip of a life? More than eternity? It's bringing back into perspective what really matters. And the heart of God beats for eternity for each and every one of you. I was telling some folks I, I struggled putting this message together because it almost felt too simple. It was, it's, it's, it's too simplistic. It needs to be deeper and heavier, but I kind of felt God saying, no, it doesn't. This is it. This is all that matters. Paul wrote this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even we were, when we were a traitor and a tax collector and a sinner and a liar and an adulterer and a thief and a fill in the blank, whatever we've done, when we were dead in those moments, he loved us. He wanted to hang out with us and he wanted to call us by name. He made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. One interaction. Zacchaeus had one interaction, and, and, and here's what it led to. It led to conviction, but, but not condemnation. It led to salvation by grace and, and not shame, and it led to full restoration without guilt. Let me ask you a question. If you had an encounter with Jesus today, the living God, what would he be saying to you? What truth would he be speaking into your life? How would he convict you without condemnation? and call out the things in your life, but without shame. You know, I was thinking about this, and this story, again, if you've, if you've been, you know, around church for a while, you've probably read this story and heard it a bunch, especially as a kid, and it's one of those stories that's kind of easy to read through and just keep going, but again, I, I come back to, I think this, this story in itself puts on display the, the heart of God but I was trying to imagine what, what would a, a modern-day Zacchaeus look like for us? Who would, who would that be? I think with what's going on in our world, I could imagine that person who would be despised and hated, maybe an American Christian who's working with Hamas, 
or ISIS sitting in this room. I'm not pointing at anybody in this room. Now, we're all in church and we're all here to love everybody, but I guarantee that person would be scorned and hated if everyone here knew what, what he or she was doing, right? The atrocities that have been committed, knowing that that person was working in behalf, they would be hated. And yet, that's the one that Jesus came for. That's the one that he wants to change radically. I found a video. Um, it's of an ISIS soldier. It's filmed about seven years ago. He was captured and thrown into jail, and he had an encounter. He encountered Jesus. And going from one moment, one radical belief to the opposite end of the spectrum, in one moment. Check this out. Right at that moment, I felt a touch on my left shoulder and a voice that says, I forgive you. And, uh, I didn't understand. I did not understand uh, what, how could that be possible? Because, because I had heard Allah is forgiving and merciful, but we cannot know His forgiveness till the day of judgment. So I said, who are you that forgives me? And I feel forgiven today. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I did not understand what that means because I had never heard those words. So I said, what is your name? And he said, Jesus Christ, the living God. I fell onto the floor. And I just wept. One moment, one moment with Jesus and radical life change was the result. What would he say to you? You are loved. I love you more than you can even begin to imagine. Your life has value. You are worthy. What's he saying to you? Understanding this, that the heart of God No one, no one is beyond the reach of God's life-changing love and grace. He loves you so much. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to have an encounter with you to alter the course of your life for eternity. But the question is, are you going to let him? Are you going to let him in? Are you going to accept the invitation? Zacchaeus could have said no. But it says that he joyfully received him. I want to encourage each and every one of you to joyfully receive Jesus today. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your happy and and excited eagerness to meet and want to be with us sinners. To call us to a life of freedom from this burden of shame and guilt. To embrace eternity looking beyond this life. What a gift that is. So we say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing value in who we are. Thank you for calling us worthy. We love you and praise you. And we say these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.